Welcome back to The Author Biz. I'm Stephen Campbell, and this is the show where we deliver the information you need to become the CEO of your author business. My guest this week is Chris Syme. She's the founder of C.K. Syme Media Group, where she works with authors as a book marketing consultant. She's also a podcaster, co-hosting the cleverly named Smarty Pants Book Marketing Podcast with her daughter, Becca, and she's an author with a new book. She's just released The Newbie's Guide to Sell More Books with Less Marketing. I'm a big fan of Chris's work, especially the common sense approach she brings to book marketing. This episode is all about book marketing, from platform building, including your website, your email list, social media accounts. Uh, We get into the importance of following a marketing plan that fits the specific goals you have for your author business. We also talk a bit about avoiding marketing FOMO or the fear of missing out on the next big thing. You know that thing you read about on Facebook that looks like it's a selling miracle, those things that pull you away from your writing and away from your marketing plan. I'm recording this on June 10th. It is, I live in South Florida, as many of you know, and it's been feast or famine with regard to rain. We had a a drought-filled spring with almost no rain at all, and we've had nothing but rain for the last week, and it's raining again today. It's only been one day in the last week that I've been able to get out and run, and it's, it's a blessing to have the rain. We're happy to have it, but it would be nice if it would just let up a little bit and let the sun shine in so that uh, we could all get out and do a few things without getting wet. With that being said, this is episode 118. I checked the iTunes feed to see how many actual episodes uh, I'd, I'd recorded for the author biz, and it's actually the 125th. There are a number of, we had the Martha Carr experiment and a couple other special episodes that didn't, didn't have numbers. So this is the 125th episode. I try to do them once a week, but I obviously haven't because it was June 30th, 2014 when the first episode came online. So that was nearly three years ago. So I don't know, it's, it's been a fun three years. I certainly didn't expect it to go this long, but I'm glad it has. I'm glad you're out there listening, and I hope we keep doing this into the foreseeable future. All right, let's get this episode started. And since Chris's new book is The Newbie's Guide to Selling More Books with Less Marketing, uh, my first question to her is how does she define a newbie author? Well, I think I defined, define that actually a couple of ways, and I'll I'll talk about the two different ways you can define that. First, you want to define a act, an actual newbie author. That's somebody who has a platform level that is brand new. They might not even have published a book yet. They maybe have one or two books, max. Um, they don't make a full-time income off of those books. They don't have much of a budget to market. So these are these are the people that are just starting out. Most of the ones that I deal with have they're working on their first book or they have their first book done but can't get it off the ground. And those mm-hmm. are newbie authors. Now when I talk about newbie authors from a marketing standpoint, sometimes these are people who've been traditionally published for years but just don't know squat oh, about marketing. Really good point. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's really important to distinguish that because I do hear from a lot of traditional authors now that are coming back because their publishers are telling them that they want them to do their own social media, their own, you know, email lists and this kind of thing. 
And so a newbie marketer is somebody who just doesn't really know much about marketing. They know what they're supposed to be doing because every they, you know they read a lot of blog posts that say you should be doing this, but they really don't know how to do it well. So that would be like a newbie marketer. Okay, and I I know from having spoken to you and having read a number of your books that you're not a person who likes to overcomplicate things. It it would be really easy for a newbie marketer to just be overwhelmed by the tsunami of marketing information that's out there and never do anything. That is not what you preach to your I don't, followers is the wrong term, the readers of your books, the people that you work with on an individual basis and, and in group basis. Um, you keep things pretty simple. So how, how is it that you're able to uncomplicate things and, and make it so that people can just get busy doing instead of worrying about what they should be doing? Well, I think 20 years in marketing really helps. <laughs> you know, I mean, I always tell people um, I was in marketing and I believe that there are a lot of people like me out there, probably including you, that are pre-internet days. And so we had to learn marketing without the internet. And I keep telling people the best practices or or principles, evergreen principles of marketing have not changed in the 20 years that I've been in marketing. What's changed is the tactics. And so if you keep up on the tactics, then you can apply the tactics to the best marketing principles that we've been using for years. And marketing has never been complicated unless you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. Well, then it's, but, a, it's an amazing way to spend money. Yeah, or just to waste time. Yes, yes, you can do both. Yeah. Yes, yes, you can, and a lot of people do. <laughs> and it's and it's my hope and my mission as a, as you know, as a as a person out there helping authors learn how to sell more books is to help them figure out how they can actually spend less time marketing so that they can write more books. Because no matter what kind of marketing you do, the best marketing, isn't it, is just writing that next book, right? Yes, and it is something that's so appealing to hear, the idea of spending less time marketing. Because One of the complaints that I'm sure you hear, I hear all the time, is I have to spend so much time on, on this marketing stuff, and I'm not sure what I'm doing, and it's just I, how do you get any writing done? How do you have time to do these other things and learn these new things that you have to? It's just overwhelming, and you really kind of need a framework. And if you have a framework and it, you can apply the right framework – then it becomes more manageable. Yes, it, it does. And there's actually another piece of that too, and that is that once you get that framework, then you apply good productivity habits to that framework, and then you can get yourself more time to write more books. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think that the idea of helping authors learn how to market is not helping them learn how to use the latest tool in the toolbox. It's how to use a few tools really well and apply the principles of how pe the new principles that are developing all the time of how this culture buys stuff. So I, I want authors to understand how people find books, how they search books, where they buy them, how they buy them, and then they can take those basic principles of marketing and apply it to that. Because, you know, as the internet changes, as television changes, as our media changes, as shopping changes, the tactics are going to change of how people buy books. So you don't want to overcomplicate marketing by making it about tools because it's not. It's about, it's about strategy, 
I guess. Uh, okay. Well, let's let's say that we're a newbie author, or even I, I like the idea of the newbie marketer, that maybe someone who's been traditionally published and has had some success, uh, but they've never had to do their own marketing. What what is it that we need in in the simplest terms? What do we need to begin marketing our books so that we can actually sell them? Well, the first thing you're going to have to do first before we can even go there, I think, is to understand what platform level you're at. You have to know if you're a newbie or not. Okay. And and there's a number of things that we can do, but I've got a podcast that we did on that, and I can give you that link so that people can understand that a little bit better. But let's just focus in on newbies because that's the question that you asked. Mm-hmm. So, so you basically need three things, whether you're a newbie or whether you're a seasoned veteran, you need a website that has the ability to sell. You need to be gathering email addresses, so you have to have an email provider, and you need to have, at least in this day and age today, you need to have a Facebook business page. Okay, and that you're, so you're not saying we need to have something on every single social media platform. We just need, and this is not just a Facebook account, it's a Facebook business page. Right. You can't technically use your personal profile to promote, but you wouldn't want to because it doesn't have any promotion tools. So the the idea here is that, and I just want to say, I these are primary tools. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I hear from a lot of authors that say, yeah, but I just love Instagram. And they even have, gr- and they take great pictures. And I'm like, be on Instagram then, but don't spend a lot of time engaging there because unless you've got extra time. Because you can make that into an outpost. You can put a book cover up there every time you have a new book. You can you can redirect people over to your Facebook page because that is where you're going to connect. And I know I've said this to you before and I'm going to say it again. And I think you remember it too. You need to engage where you want to sell. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, yeah. And so Instagram is not a really great place to engage and Twitter is not a good place to engage. So we, when it comes down to picking a primary channel where you can where you can get 79% of the adult population that's online over 13 years old, that's Facebook. Nobody else even has over 35%. So first of all, you've got the audience there. And you there. it's not a matter that you shouldn't be anywhere else. It's a matter that if you want to be someplace else, make sure that you bide your time there, that you set it up as an outpost. And if you find that people are really engaging, let's say, on Pinterest and you really are selling books there, then you might want to spend a little bit more time on Pinterest. But you're always going to want to be on Facebook because you can't beat their numbers, and not only just for sheer demographic numbers, but also for uh, marketing information that we has uh, that we have on Facebook's ability to convert sales. And that just seems to keep getting better. They they just keep collecting more information about it and about us and making it available to people who want to sell things and to pay them uh, for the uh, for the privilege of doing that. So it has it gotten better over the course of the last year. Well, you know, it's really interesting that you should say that because I've always been, you know, you know how people are sometimes we're like, well, I don't like Facebook gathering all my personal information, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to put anything in my profile and being a marketer. I'm like, well, the, the, or an author that wants to sell books. I'm, I'm, I would say, I've always said to that, the more information that Facebook can gather, the more books you're going to sell, because what that does is it allows you to target 
specific people to be able to sell your books. So I, and they are doing more and more of that. And if you're a Facebook ads user at all, Mm -hmm. you've noticed that there are tons more options available for audience targeting and retargeting and using the pixel to target than there ever have been before. In this last year, we've just seen Facebook take a big step up in how to get more specific in targeting people to buy things. And I don't want this to delve into a how to advertise on Facebook show because we've done those. And there's a lot of great information out there. Michael Cooper just uh, was on and and just did a fantastic job of explaining all of that. But it's important. It's important to understand just how critical Facebook is to your to your platform. And for you, it's one of the big three. Right. And so let's just talk about your page then. I mean, Mm -hmm. aside from ads, in the last six months, Facebook added the shop tab. And basically what this allows authors to is set up a virtual store right on their Facebook page. So I can go to your Facebook page and I never have to leave. And, of course, you and I both know that's what Facebook is doing. <laughs> every every new thing they do is designed to get you to stay there mm-hmm. a longer period of time. And so they are offering – that's why you see them offering all kinds of services. Um, you like, you know, now you can uh, answer people – through a Facebook ad with a message bot. And so they want to keep you there. And they gave us the shop template. They've allowed us to embed email forms. They allow third-party developers like Freebooksy to to, uh, give me an app that allows me to put another bookstore on my Facebook page. I mean, there's just so much that you can do on your own page alone. Um, I know you might have noticed recently that Facebook just added a video option to your cover photo. I did not notice that. Yes. So now you can actually put a welcome video on your Facebook page as a cover photo. Or if you've got a book launch, you could use it to, you know, do a video on your book launch. The, The thing that's important about that on the Facebook page is that Facebook gives preference to platforms that are hot. So, and right now video is really hot on Facebook. So if you do anything on video, Facebook's going to give your algorithm, engagement algorithm, a little extra added juice. Aha. Okay. All right. So that's interesting. Um, You you mentioned um, websites and email lists. I want to dig into that a little bit. I know you made in, in your, in the book, you made some specific recommendations in terms of websites. So what, what should someone who doesn't have a website do to get a website up quickly that looks good and represents their work well? Well, I think it's that is the one one thing in the big three that's possible to do for free because I, I still believe that WordPress.com has a number of really good templates now that actually allow you to do more things. The only expense you're going to incur there is you really need to pay that little extra $50 a year or whatever it is so that I can have cksime.com instead of WordPress.com slash cksime. So, mm-hmm. but other than that, you know, I, I still believe very strongly in in WordPress as a theme platform because 
because of the integrations that they've got. And I, I love the look of Squarespace. I, I, and I know they've, they're really working on upping their game. And I just still think that WordPress is the way to go. But it's, it's easy to set up a WordPress.com site, which is the free one. And if you want to go ahead and have a hosted website that gives you more storage space, more ability to have um, plugins and that kind of thing, then you're going to want to consider WordPress.org, which is is the paid end of WordPress. Okay, and the software is free, but you wind up – and maybe I'm getting these wrong. I, I always get them wrong, Facebook.org and Facebook.com. I always just think of them as software and service, and one of them is you just go sign up for an account – and you can it's hosted on their site and you're ready to go. The other is you install WordPress on a hosting site somewhere, like right. Bluehost or yes. GoDaddy or yep. something like that. Not yep. GoDaddy. Whatever you're doing, not GoDaddy. But um, that's org. Yeah, that's okay, the WordPress.org. So that's .org. That's .org. Yeah. yes. Yeah, so, the .com is the free one and org is the pay one. Okay, and that gives you – it gives you quite a bit more flexibility, but it also opens the door to more responsibility because if you have one of those sites, um, I'm sure you've seen the horror stories of people whose sites have been hacked and things. You just need to keep your plugins up to date and and do the kinds of things that you would do if the software were residing on your own computer. You would just want to keep everything up to date. As long as you do that and run some security software that's available for free, uh, most people that do that don't have problems. Uh, email lists. Let's talk about email lists because that's something that you can kind of get started with for free. But once you reach a certain point, it goes from free to a lot pretty quickly. <laughs> well, it does. And it's it's right around that 2000 mark uh, mm -hmm. right now. So I think that that is a pretty good platform. So right now I am, um, when MailChimp recently uh, changed their freebie option to include an autoresponder or welcome sequence, which they have never done before. So I actually had to go back and edit this new book because I wrote it before they did that. And I, I told people to go do something else. But um, anybody that's got a free email site, no matter who it is, mm -hmm. you want to make sure that if you're going to use a free email service, that you do have the ability to put together an automated welcome sequence that will present a series of emails to your new subscribers inbox over a scheduled time so that you can warm them up quicker. You can deepen your engagement faster. So other than that, I really think that between um, MailerLite, MailChimp, AWeber and ConvertKit if you're a nonfiction writer. I think they're all pretty much the same in quality. Mm -hmm. I know there's little nuances. Um, MailChimp offers engagement scores, which on AWeber you kind of have to figure that out by hand. Um, but there are, there's a lot of email programs out there that are good. Uh, Lead Pages now has Drip, but that's another one that's for um, you know nonfiction business writers. Mm -hmm. If you're new, I would hold off on that. Um, but I think MailChimp is a good standard for brand new authors, especially now that they've added the automation ability. Okay, and yeah, I had I had paid MailChimp for a while for because I wanted the automation, and then I wound up switching over to MailerLite because they had free with automation, and then MailChimp added the automation, and so now I, I don't know what I'm doing. 
<laughs> well, you know what you're doing. You just know if you want to keep doing yes, that. Yes, <laughs> I, yes. I, I yeah. really liked MailChimp. And it's not that I don't like MailerLite. I just I really liked MailChimp. I liked the way it worked. And it, it's just whatever you're used to using, I think, is probably fine. I, if, if I use ConvertKit, I'd probably love ConvertKit. Yeah, and I think you hit on something there that maybe we should emphasize, and okay. that is it just because somebody comes along and says, oh, MailerLite's awesome, you got to try MailerLite, and you're already on MailChimp, I would really hesitate before I'd devote the time to learning a new platform. And the I think there there's two considerations there. Number one would be options or bells and whistles, and, and number two would be cost. Mm-hmm. If, if for either one of those reasons you want to jump email providers, I think then, then it's worth taking a look at. But if it's just because one of your friends on, you know, K-Boards came along and said, this is the bomb when it comes to email, don't, don't give in to that marketing FOMO. You know, just don't give into it. Just stick with what you've got if you know that it works well. But if you can save 50 bucks a month, you know, I mean, that's a big deal and still have the same number of subscribers. So just don't jump around. (laughs) And marketing FOMO. I mean, this is an interesting thing. And it's something that we're all prone to be, I don't know what the right word is, but it's easy to get sucked into it because we'll see someone who is just killing it by using this particular technique that's completely different than what you're doing. And it's really easy to just want to drop everything that you're doing and rush over here and try what they're doing. Um, what FOMO for people who don't know is fear of missing out. And it's, right. it's it, it is a, it is a driving force <laughs> to human nature. <laughs> and so w- what do you tell your clients when they come to you and say, but Chris, I mean, so-and-so is using this platform and they are killing it and Facebook's just not working for me. I want to move everything over there. Well, it's, it's interesting. I just wrote a piece for Jane Friedman this last week on, it, it was called uh, five steps to kick your marketing FOMO to the curb. Uh, yeah. And all the emails that I got and all the comments from that uh, particular blog piece were just people saying, well, I feel like a weight has been lifted off me, mm-hmm. you know, because we really do uh, – authors like to read, so they also like to read, you know, online, and they're reading blog posts, and they're reading um, success stories, and there's a lot of podcasts out there that, that like ours, you know, both of ours, that mm-hmm. bring on authors that are having success, and people can get really um, tempted to just try something new because what they're doing isn't working. And I think that's one of the keys to FOMO. They always feel like there's something better that they could be doing. I don't know that it's necessarily missing out because most of the authors that I talk to are overloaded. You know, mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. like, I don't need one more thing to do. But they do feel like there might be something better that they should try. And that, that is fear of missing out in some ways. But I think the best way that I tell people to get rid of their FOMO is just to make a plan and stick to it. And that's a terrible thing to say because that's what they used to say, you know, when somebody goes on a diet, well, this diet works. Well, yeah, make a plan, and but you got to stick to it. So if you're going to kick FOMO to the curb, you have to maybe just go to designating one primary social media channel for engagement or, and sales and then making the rest into outposts where they just redirect people to where you're engaging because that's really what they're after. They're buying your books on Amazon or Kobo or iBooks, they're, they want to engage with you on social media. So I think the other thing is you have to make sure that you optimize whatever you're doing. 
You know, you need to make sure that you're being productive. For instance, I know a lot of authors that manage their Facebook page by just scrolling through everything and seeing if there's anything new. Rather than just going up to the little white globe on the top of your menu where all your notifications are and seeing if there's anything new. You don't have to go back and read through every post that, that's already there. You just need to see if there's anything new because that's what you need to respond to. So little things like that, you know, just learning how to optimize your time. And then the other thing that I like to tell authors is always market by goal and not by tips and tricks. Because if you buy into the idea that the best marketing is goal-driven marketing, then because it saves money, it saves time, it gives you a, it's like taking a trip without a map. You know, if you don't have any goals, you don't, or any directions, you don't know where you're going. And so, and the last thing I, I tell people is declutter the amount of marketing advice you take in. Um, I am a terrible aggregator. You know, I like to see what everybody's doing, what everybody's saying. So I'm constantly putting more blogs into my RSS feed mm -hmm. so that I can, you know, so that I can make sure I don't miss anything. So <laughs> I got to take my own advice. But I will say in my own defense that every month I call, every single month I go in there and I take out anybody that I haven't read or anybody that I read one time and then just just that's okay. I know where they're going, you know, and, and that kind of thing. So we really have to have the courage to call, <laughs> have the courage to call declutter and then you'll be good. But those are some, you know, really easy ways I think that you can start off dealing with FOMO. Okay. So we, we've, we've talked about building a platform. We've talked about being somewhat focused on things. I mean, the big idea here is, is that you can sell more books with less marketing, but it's kind of counterintuitive. What we hear online often is that I wasn't selling any books, and then I started running this ad on this platform, and then I started selling books. And then someone else will try running a similar ad on a similar platform, and it won't work for them. Um, it, it's, it just, the idea of selling more books with less marketing is appealing, but how do you put it into practice? Well, I think you just hit on, on one of the number one things, and that is the, the idea of trying everything is not cutting back. That is what I call the splatter theory of marketing. So when somebody has a success, I try and copycat. And copycat marketing works well, but you have to have the same markers. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean you have to have the same qualifications. You've got to be at the same platform level. You've got to have similar numbers of books. You need to be in a genre that isn't an outlier. Um, you need to have a certain number of social media fans or a certain size email list. There's so many markers when it comes to copycatting that you really have to almost know more about marketing than you need to know mm -hmm. to copy and do it well. There's also, you know, you can be an anomaly. Uh, you can have success doing something and then somebody else can, can try and copy it and just can't get her done. And the, the other thing is, is you can copy, but you don't actually do the work that they did. It sounds great in theory, but I think I can do this. So I just put up a bunch of Facebook ads and I don't have any success. And why? Because this guy did his Facebook ads and he sold 5,000 books. And, and so it's, it's really tricky to talk about tips and tricks marketing because that's really what that is. Mm -hmm. But when you cut back 
and work underneath the umbrella of a goal that drives your strategy. And then every time you consider trying a strategy that's outside of that umbrella, you have to pull yourself back. You will have success doing it and you will sell more books. The problem with that person, Stephen, that we talked about at the beginning, that that guy that wasn't selling anything, so now he's going to copy this guy, Mm -hmm. is usually those are the people that are really in need of a plan. They really need to have some general marketing understanding. And once they get that, then they can customize a plan that works for them, for their time that they have available during the day. Maybe you got a full-time job for your budget. Maybe you don't have any budget. Maybe you got a lot of budget. Works for your resources. But most of all, your platform level and your skill level. Because with all marketing, there's a learning curve. So every time you try something new, there's a learning curve. And if you don't go all the way through that learning curve, you're not going to be able to execute it like like author X that made $5,000. If only, and I say this somewhat tongue-in-cheek, if only there were some kind of guideline to putting together a marketing plan. <laughs> well, you know, there are which some I happen to just yeah. I just read one in in oh, your good. new book, The Newbie's Guide to Sell More Books with Less Marketing. And so I, I want to bring that up because when we talk about plans and you start thinking marketing plan, then you think marketing department, then you think these guys in the um, architect glasses that live that are in an office that's like two buildings away from you, and you just go, I, I don't want to do that. Uh, there needs to be a simple way to do that, and and you you have designed something that can work for anybody. Well, yeah, I designed something for people who aren't marketers, mm-hmm. and I th- I think that's that's what the key to this whole thing is is that you don't have to be a professional marketer to sell books. But you can sell books like they do fairly simply because, as I said, in my 20 years of marketing, one of the things I learned is that marketing is not difficult. It just is another task. It's, it's work. So there, there are rules that you can follow, guidelines that you can customize to your time, your money, your budget, your platform level. And you just have to take it all into consideration. And, and I, I wish the, if I could unzip people, stuff one thing into them and zip it back up, it would be the idea that you're going to have the most success with marketing when you customize a plan to, to you. Because everybody's in a different spot in the author journey. And if, if you're trying to copy something that somebody's doing that's way ahead of you, then you're going to get frustrated. And so you really want to be self-aware. I guess that's kind of the first thing that I walk people through in doing a marketing plan is you have to take a personal inventory and that there's a number of things and we don't need to go into those, but you do really need to know where you're at. Mm -hmm. Because then what you can do is you can take a look at your platform level and you can apply the appropriate strategies that work for authors at that level to get them to the next level, to get them to the next level. And how fast you get there really revolves around three things. It revolves around the money that you have available because whether we like it or not, if you've got a budget for marketing, that's really going to help your success. Number two, your skill level. Where are you right now? Do you have to learn how to set up a Facebook page or are you already there? Do you already know a little bit about some of this stuff? And number three, what platform level are you at? Because like we tell people, and this just isn't in my book, but we say this on our podcast and I say it everywhere, they really don't think that newbie authors need to be doing high-level things like 
running complicated Facebook ad campaigns mm -hmm. because they only have one book. And, and you have to understand that when you only have one or two books, you don't have any sell-through. You have no backlist. So any advanced strategy that relies on having a backlist, that's off of your plate until you get there. And some of these things, you know, people just need to understand by just looking at themselves, understanding where they are at their journey, and then going and applying some simple, basic goals that will help them get to where they need to go. And then they can find strategies that they can customize to themselves and really have a decent amount of success. And if you've got time and if you've got money, you'll get there faster. How much time does it take to put together a plan? A newbie plan that we're talking. Let's talk about yeah. Let's talk about newbies. Mm -hmm. I think it the, for the learning curve um, in the in the free online class that I did that goes along with that book is basically walks people step by step through how to do that plan and mm -hmm. and I. The personal inventory that you have to take at the beginning is that takes uh, about a week of maybe, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes a day because you have to inventory your time because people really under, have to understand before they start trying all these tips and tricks, how much time do I have to devote to marketing every day? Do I have a job? Do I have a family? Am I in the – do I want to write or do I want to market? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, we have to consider all these things. And then we match up that amount of time to energy levels so that you make sure that you're doing your um, your your deep level marketing tasks when you have the highest amount of energy and you're writing when you have the highest amount of energy because that compacts the time that you need to put your plan together. But I think putting together a plan is just a matter of I give I give people two goals that they need. That's all the goals that you're ever going to need. Sell more books, build loyal fan base. Mm -hmm. Those are two really easy goals that are going to drive your marketing plan. And then inside of those goals, you set up your objectives, which are just the measurements, like it's they're time-based. When, how long is it going to take me to do this strategy? And then you put together something that fits in your time. I think the biggest reason that a lot of authors get frustrated is because they try and do too much in really the amount of time that they have to do it in. And so I think... If you want to set up a, a marketing plan and be serious about what you're doing, then that how fast you can set that plan up is going to depend on how much time you want to set aside to do it. And I, I know that sounds like a kind of circuitous uh, roundabout answer, but um, even in the putting together of the plan, you still want to manage your time because I still want to write. I mean, I'm a writer. I don't want to spend 50% of my day marketing, that is gross. I mean, I just think that if I, if I have an eight-hour day and I'm spending four hours a day marketing, something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Something's really wrong. I think there are times when you have to spend more time marketing because you're planning a launch, you're executing a launch. But other than that, um, I, I think that marketing should not be the major task for you every day. Writing should be the major task or whatever it is, your family, your job, whatever. So to put together a marketing plan is, is just, I think in the, in the course, it's five steps and how, how much, how quickly you can move through each of those steps is how quickly you get to the end. But you'll get the idea when you look at the online course that it, it, you, I ask people to look at the course first. So they get an idea of what they're in for mm -hmm. because lots of times people start an online course and then they, they quit 
about 20% in because they feel like it's too burdensome and they don't want to do the work. So I think what I, what I told people to do, what I tell people to do is look at the course and then really ask yourself a question. Do I want to do this work? And if I don't want to do all the work, do I maybe just want to do some of the work? Like, do I just want to try marketing by goals and not go through all the time management and, and the strategies and, and outlining all that kind of stuff? Because you're going to get an idea what it takes to put together a successful marketing plan just by looking at the online course. But you're right when you say we get all these, you know, we kind of freak out when we hear that word marketing plan because mm -hmm. we think we're going to have to put together some 20-page spreadsheet document, <laughs> you know, and it's not that. And so. I, I went through the course today, and I, I did not go through it in detail, but I, I sort of did, as you just advised, to, to go through it and see what it entails. And it, it did not look burdensome to me, and I, I just was thinking in my own mind what a benefit it would be to work through this process combined with your book and, and come out at the other end with a solid marketing plan that, that will keep you from – going into the ditch, as we're all prone to do. Right. Well, I, I'm glad you said that because that makes me feel like I did my work right then. All right. Now, we are – we're talking to authors out there, and some of the authors write nonfiction. You – this is not the first time you've, you've combined a book with an online course, a free online course. How does that work for you? Is that, is that something that – that you would recommend to others who are in, in the education authoring business? Well, if you're a nonfiction business writer, I think that it's a, it's a lead magnet that, that is su supreme. Okay. You know, I mean, a free online course, especially a good one, a practical one, is a great add-on for a book. Any kind of bonus. You know, this, this trend started about three years ago in the business world. You know, I'm going to give you – you buy this book and you get all these bonuses. Mm -hmm. You know, Jay Bayer did such a good job of doing this. He's with, amazing. I, I, yeah, I love and, him. And so I kind of use him as the seminal guy that, that got this whole thing going. If you buy this book, you get all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like I bought five books, <laughs> you know. So, But I do online courses as a sideline, so it's really easy for me, not easy like as in doesn't take any time, but – it's it's um, it's inherent for me to be able to put these courses together quickly and thoroughly because I'm trained as a teacher, mm -hmm. and so it's it's kind of a no-brainer for me. And I know that people like courses because they're visual learners and they like to see stuff. I mean, it's one thing to read it, but let's face it: a lot of marketing is is being able to look at at how to do these things. So, it, and I also think it's just another way that you can dig deeper. In the for this book, the reason I did the course was because to walk people through the actual plan would have been a whole nother book. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was just easier because there's so many hands-on things that need to be done and things people need to see that it's easier to present that in a course. So the last chapter in the book is just the nuts and bolts of how to put a plan together, and then I send people to the online course to actually walk them through it. Yeah, which I, which I think is brilliant, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that it's working for you. Now, when you chose the platform for the online course, is this the same platform that you've used in the past, or is it a different one? 
Well, I use the. I have two different online platforms for classes that I use. I have teach. I use Teachable for anything that I do that's free, except for book courses, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because um, Teachable can be kind of glitchy if you get too in depth. So um, I use Rizuku, and I've used that ever since I started teaching. And okay. it's it's a comprehensive, very detailed. Uh, you can put. As, as many videos and downloads and whatever, and the, the sign-up process is easy. Everything's organized really well. I actually found this platform through Janine Blackwell, who teaches a great course called uh, Six Figure uh, Income, which is an idea for people who want to put together online courses to supplement their businesses. Okay. And she she showed us all Rizuku, and at that time, you know, there's a bunch of platforms out there I know um, – I think Brian Cohen uses Course Cats, and you know other people use different platforms that are WordPress um, oriented. But I like Rizuku because they're really um, oriented towards um, upping their game. Whenever you know somebody says, you know, why don't you guys do this? They're really they get their developers to work, and I like that. So yeah, I've always used that platform, and it works really well for yeah, me. Yeah, I, I have looked at different WordPress plugin type things. I just felt like that would be the ideal thing, but I haven't found anything that's as good as the others. Um, you know, the, just where you just go out and you you pay for the service, the course hosting service, essentially. All right, one last question, and we'll we'll let you get out of here. You and I were talking about YouTube uh, prior to recording. I noticed that you talked more about YouTube in this book as a platform than you have in others, and you talked more glowingly about it as a. a a place where you can sell things. So why is that? What's what's changed and is this a viable option for authors? Well, there's a major piece of research that came out last year by AOL Platforms. And AOL Platforms sells online ads to companies and social media ads. So basically what they did was they went and did a study on which social media channels convert the best. And then they it's a detailed study. I didn't buy it. It was $900, but there was a bunch of blogs that were written, and I happened to get a hold of the results. And what we found when you're looking at which social media channel has the best ability to not only get you discovered, but also to convert people to a sale, and the number one channel was YouTube. And, you know, when you stop and think about it, it makes sense because think of all the how-to videos, all the product videos, and YouTube's got, you know, I think it's the number two search engine online. It, it, it makes sense. And the, the more adept that we're getting at video, the, more, the cheaper video is getting, the more information that's readily available on how to do good content because you still have to have good mm -hmm. content. Um, and now the ability to put together a really slick-looking YouTube channel, I think it's worth a look. However, having said that, for most authors, it's not going to be a viable channel, and I said that in the book. It's really – you're going to have to drop down to the number two um, best channel for discovery and conversion, and that's Facebook. But YouTube is worth taking a look at if you're number one tech savvy, number two, you can do video content well, and number three, I think it's especially effective for nonfiction people that are selling side services or have – books like chris fox has a great youtube channel mm -hmm. um and he it's all it's it's all about 
you know, it's about nonfiction stuff. It's about how to market your books. And so that really um, ups his platform on that side quite a bit. So I think it's good for a lot of things. Um, and as you, as people start to get used to video more and more, I think we're going to see more people migrate to YouTube as maybe a place to put up some things, even if it's just, you know, your Facebook live videos, you can put them up there too. Yeah. I, and I, I think what you said about the content being of a certain quality and, and being interesting and valuable is, is critical because it's, it's really – it's super easy to put a camera on yourself and start talking. Uh, it's not so easy to uh, deliver interesting content. As, as we probably all know, if any, any of us who have tried Facebook Live, the first time you try it, it's just, it just feels horrific. But you get a little bit better at it over time. Right, and, th and that is the main reason that Facebook, um, when you use video in a Facebook ad, that they pay you by how long people stay on the video. Because if it's really crappy video, they're mm -hmm. not going to count it. And so, as you said, anybody with a smartphone can make a video. <laughs> but, but you have to be really careful because just because it's the really hot platform doesn't mean that people have a tolerance for crappy content because, I mean, we're all TV and movie watchers, and that's our standard, you know, that's our standard for video. So you just have to be really careful that you understand that the content needs to be good. I'm just thankful that the standard for podcasting is not at the level yeah. of TV and, and movies, <laughs> or you and I would both be out of the podcasting business. Yeah, no, I don't want to have to, you know, set up my video operation every time I do a podcast, that's for sure. Chris, the book is The Newbie's Guide to Selling More Books with Less Marketing or to Sell More Books with, with Less Marketing. Where can people find it? This show's coming out on the 12th, and we're recording this on the 6th. I don't think it's available yet, but it will be by the 12th. Yes, it will be. It launches on the 9th, which is it's, is by now. It's out there, and it's on Kobo, it's on Nook, and it's on Amazon, of course. So, Okay. I will have links to the book, um, to Chris's website, which is, Chris? CKSime.com. So we've been speaking with one of my favorite author marketing experts, Chris Syme. Chris, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show, and you have an open invitation uh, to always come back. It's, it's, uh, I learned so much from you, and I, I know our audience does as well. Well, this is one of my favorite podcasts to do because you and I have a lot of fun, and you always want to have fun when you do this stuff. You have yeah. to. Yeah. So thanks so much for being here, and thanks to everyone for listening. As I mentioned, we'll have show notes with links to everything we mentioned at theauthorbiz.com. We will be back again next Monday.